Um, so today, I want to just quickly share with you um, a quick legend. There's a Japanese legend about a mighty Japanese warrior who broke his favorite bowl and decided to send it to China for repair. Rather than returning as the beautiful bowl he cherished, he received the item held together with ugly metal staples. Understandably, the warrior was disappointed and so longed for the bowl he, loved, he used to love. The warrior asked the Japanese craftsman to come up with a more attractive solution, one that will add to the beauty of the tea bowl. The craftsman came up with a new technique of mending the cracks with a, liquor, a, a liqueur resin mixed with gold. The time when the warrior received this bowl, the streaks of gold ran through it where the cracks had been before. He thought the bowl looked even more beautiful than it had been before it was broken. Heavenly Father, as I go into your word, take control. I pray that the words that we speak today, Father God, will be spirit and life. That, Father God, that it will be an encouragement to somebody here today, even in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> so this story illustrates a process which is known as kintsuji. Some of you heard it. Right. Who, this side didn't hear it. Have you guys heard some kintsuji? Okay. <laughs> I was like, okay, here's my international people on my left side. You know. Where's my Japanese people? No, I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> so kintsuji is the art of repairing broken items with gold. And the kintsuji philosophy is, is, is rooted in the fact that there is beauty in brokenness. And that every crack you see represents the history of an object, which is something not to hide or to be ashamed of, but acknowledging the imperfections you can see are only a sign of strength, beauty, and add value to that object. In this world, broken things are easily thrown away. We just, we just, we just at a disposable age. And if it breaks, we don't even bother finding a super glue no more. We just throw it away. I know ladies sometimes just hold them to the heel, but sometimes we just end up chucking it away. Sometimes when I'm at my house, I tell my wife, can you fix this? Where's the super glue? And we tell them we're hunting for it. I'll oh, just get a new one. And then we worry about cost of living. But anyway, that's a sidetrack. <laughs> we can't just be spending money anyhow. We've got to be looking after those coins. So one of those things is important because we live in, like I said, we're living in a place where things are, we're easily disposable. We chuck things away. They're discarded and deemed useless. And broken things are, are just seen as you can't be used again. And also broken people are treated that way as well. Sometimes when we think about broken people, broken people feel useless. They feel discarded. They feel like nobody wants them. I'm, I'm useless. I'm not useful anymore. And they feel tossed away. But today I want to tell you today that there is beauty in your brokenness. There is beauty in your brokenness. That you may be broken, but you're blessed. Somebody say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. No matter how life may have broken you, God wants me to tell you, despite how you feel, your feelings are not facts. Your feelings are not facts. And you know what the funny thing is? I say the funny thing is, the funny thing is that feelings are funny. Your feelings can be funny things. Because our feelings, although may be valid, often dominate our lives. And our, often our behavior is a manifestation of our feelings. And in many cases, when you act on how you feel, it can be dangerous. Sometimes when you act on how you feel, it's a dangerous thing. You can't live your life based on how you feel all the time. You know, some people, they're like, well, I feel this way. Okay, you feel that way. But you have to be careful. I feel a way every, every uh, 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 I'm about to expose my business up in here. 
I was gonna say, one of the things I'm gonna say, because it's not a very thing, I have to. I want another 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. But what I was gonna say was, one of the things where my feeling expresses itself is time. And I was like, sometimes when my wife could tell you, in the morning, when we're going somewhere, I'm an ogre. Is it true? Mm hmm. For me, that's my feeling. I'm like, Let's go, we gotta go, we gotta get school stone. He said 10.30 on the sheet. We gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. You know what I mean? Like, ah. And I'll still be like, babe. <laughs> but that's because, and the funny, the great thing about that is we don't live our life based on the feeling. We don't live our life based on feelings. We feel, trust me, we feel, but we don't live our life because sometimes living our life based on decision or based on feeling can be dangerous and it can be hazardous. And when you live by your feelings alone, it's not saying you can't have them. It's not saying you're not entitled to them. It's not saying that they're not valid. But when you live in your feelings alone, you miss out on your blessing. Feelings will have you mentally messed up for weeks, months, years, for time. Feelings will have you quitting your job and at the job centre next week. Because how many people feel like quitting their job sometimes? You want to quit just based on, oh, see, I'm seeing the hands go up, don't, don't worry, your employer could be watching, don't, don't do that. But sometimes that's how you feel. Sometimes your feelings will have you quit in and you'll be like, ah, oh, but with no plan. That's why you got to come to the Cornerstone College and hear about how to use your money and invest and do the stuff. So that's a great thing to make sure you're there. Many times feelings will give you gray hairs. And look at the... Pastor Gulli said, mm-hmm. I was going to say, and looking around the room, some of you guys are in your feelings. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Feelings will have you eating Ben and Jerry's like it's a free course meal. Feelings, that emotional eating because of feelings, and then you be crying when you look at the scale the next time. Am I talking to myself? Am I talking? I think I'm talking to myself. Hold on, hold on. So turn to your neighbour and say, "Get out of your feelings." You gotta say it for real. Say it stronger with chest. Get out of your feelings. But when we think about our feelings in relation to brokenness. See something that they're feeling it over here. <laughs> when we think about our feelings in relation to brokenness, though, the truth is, with God, being broken is different. God doesn't discard you. In fact, until you're broken, God can't really fully use you. God can't really fully use you. And I always like to say there's a point to your disappointment. There's a point. Because most of the times, these things are not, they're not, most of the things that you go through, they're, 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 they're blessings in the skies. We hear this. But that's why I say, when I see people, I just love praising God. Because I look around in this room, I know for sure the one thing that unifies us, regardless of how tall you are, short you are, what color you are, we've all been through something. Yeah. Each and every one of us. That's one thing we all have in common, I can guarantee you, is that we've all been through challenges. We've all been through things. And so, but... What is the point to that? The fact is, when we all experience brokenness and events and circumstances and situations that break us and painful life experiences that have left, left hurt in our heart, sores in our soul, it's, taking, it's eating away at our self-worth. And sometimes that's a result of things such as broken relationships, broken marriages and divorces. I'm going to name them. Coming from a dysfunctional family will leave you broken. You know, sickness. Disease will leave you broken. Addictions will leave you broken. Miscarriages will leave you broken. Loneliness will leave you broken. Unemployment will leave you broken. Being broke will leave you broken. 
when you have to eat the corned beef and rice and you're sick and tired, but corned beef is expensive now, you don't get twisted. I'd be trying to find that tin from Lidl and to say, listen, you know what? Not mention any other brand, every other brand you can buy as well. <laughs> Being broken because of your sin and mistakes. When you failed, will leave you broken. It will leave you broken. But guess what? God can still use that brokenness. God can use it. But guess what? Who else likes to try and use it? Ha ha, you're preaching. The devil also will try and use that brokenness. God, God will use your brokenness, but that old devil, the enemy, he will capitalize on your brokenness. That has been one of his many tactics. He knows that he can use those cracks in your life to reinforce his lies concerning you. And that if he can keep you in a state of despair, unworthiness, and uselessness, he has, he's done his job. But we won't let him win, will we? We won't let him win. This is why we must consciously choose joy. I love the scripture that, that I grew up with. It said, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And we've heard it before. It doesn't tell us what type of day. Just the very fact that it's the day that the Lord has made, we will rejoice and be glad in it. So we must be intentional about every day. Each day, take time out to do the things that make you smile. In the words of my friend Bishop Dale Brawner, he says, schedule your pleasure because pain will schedule itself. I will say it again. <laughs> schedule your pleasure because pain will schedule itself. Let me tell you, pain doesn't wait for your timing. Pain doesn't wait for you to, to make an appointment with it. But it, and the Pastor Kule knows me, he's my best friend. Listen, he will tell me, the other day he sent me a text, he said, I said, I need a break. He said, when are you going to take a break? The person who needs a break but never takes a break. Let me tell you, if you keep holding off your life, you will never enjoy. Life is to be enjoyed, not endured. But when I tell you that, when you don't, when you don't, you have to take that time to schedule time just to celebrate and enjoy life. Don't feel ashamed to do that. Some of us are so committed to our jobs. Let me tell you, I always say to people, when you die, they're not going to hold a plaque and say, this person was here. You will see in the job advert the next day. They don't keep that job because you was there working for 25 years. It doesn't matter to them. I know someone that worked for 25 years and got a pen. True stories. Okay, it was a Parker pen. It was, you know, cost more than a pound. But schedule your pleasures because pain will schedule itself. It will schedule itself to make an invitation to the party. It was never invited. It was never invited to the party. But when you go through something, you didn't plan it. So please, please be conscious. Be intentional. Schedule something. Schedule your joy. Schedule it. You know, the scripture says in James 1, 2, 4, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, you don't need to change this one on the board, but I'm going to read the message version of it. It says, consider it sheer gift, a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open <laughs> and shows its true colors. So don't try and get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you may become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Some of us, we're walking around still immature because we're trying to hide from the problem and the issue instead of leaning into it. And I know that's difficult to say. 
But let me tell you, broken people are blessed people. Broken people are beautiful people. Sometimes we need to be more forgiving of people's broken parts. We need to be more forgiving of people's broken spaces, and we're not. We're not. We're not. But you've got to let that, because let me tell you something, it's so funny, because the reason why people don't like to go into problems as well, because when I read that message version, I thought, wow, it reveals your faith life. Some of us, we don't want problems because the true test of your faith is going to come out. It's going to reveal what you really, truly believe. But that's okay. Because when it shows you who you are, what are you going to do? Rectify it. You're going to change it. When you become uncomfortable, what you do, you just try your best to do better for God. That's all. So what lies do you believe about your past? Shame has a way of trying to define you. Yet God's ultimate desire and gift is for the pain to refine you. Not redefine as the, words, as the world seems. Not as the enemy tries to taunt us. Like, nee, 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 nee. You know, that's what he does, you know, because he's a monkey like that. He's like, he tries to tease you. And he tries to embarrass you and hold you to your past. And one of the ways that he does that is through people. Somebody say people. Sometimes they get tired of people. Sometimes you just do. But don't blame them. They don't know what they do. Because we're people too. Just don't get twisted. One of the ways that he does it is through people. And it's funny that when you're down and out and the cracks begin to appear in your life, people no longer see the person, but they see the problem. They don't see you anymore. You become your problem. So when they go, oh, you know brother so-and-so, when they're ready to do the gossip meal, oh, you know brother so-and-so, blah, 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 blah. That's the person. You hear he's struggling with drug addiction. You heard about the drug addiction he's got. That's the problem. <laughs> That's the problem. But it's a very serious thing. Because how many times have people brought things to you, but they're, lab- they're bringing the problem? And then you start to see the person as the problem. They become the sum of that thing. See, people don't mind sharing your problem. In fact, people will label you based on your problem. And as long as you allow people to label you, they will limit you. If people label you, they will limit you. Because there's only, because in their minds, there's only a certain capacity in which you can be beneficial to them. That's the selfishness of human beings, isn't it? So when, you, when you're there and you're there, some people go, oh, you know that person, this is what happened to them. You know that sister, she got divorced. You know that person, they did this. You know that one's a single mum. Shut your mouth. Be quiet. Who are you? We just heard the scripture earlier. Who are man that you are mindful of us? Thank God that he's mindful. Thank God that God is not man. Oh, my God. Thank God that God is not like man. That he stays mindful of us. Because let me tell you, the only person I know that was perfect was Jesus. And we try every day to live like him, don't we? We try it. We're trying our best. By the grace of God, we will get there. Because perfection is the goal. However, remember, broken, blessed, and beautiful. So yes, you might have did the things that they said. Yeah, you may have done it. I'm still blessed. Somebody say, I'm blessed. blessed. Yes, you might have messed up, but tell somebody, I'm beautiful. Okay, men, don't worry. You can say beautiful too. We're all beautiful in God's eyes. So be encouraged because there's one who seeks out and loves the broken and the rejected. He's on the lookout for the broken ones, the ones who need healing, 
the ones who need comfort, the ones who need restoration. He is a healer and he is the master craftsman. You see, we heard about the Japanese one doing the bowl, but we've got a master craftsman who pricks the broken people and their pieces and turns them into things of value and beauty. And his name is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Any other name that we know him by, we sang all his names today. The scripture in Psalms 34, 18 says this. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. You see, Sister Angela was in the spirit earlier. When she was praying, she was saying, you know, God is near. God is near. She was affirming that for us, that God is near. When you don't feel like God is near, he is. The scripture tells us here that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Sometimes you feel like God is absent, but no, he's very close. He's very close. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. He also says in Psalms 147 verse 3, it says he heals the brokenhearted. So he doesn't look at you and just see you're broken, but he also heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Those wounds, those things that broke you, he can bind them up. He will bind up your wounds. And that's why that kintsuji analogy is so powerful and it's a powerful metaphor for life. Because when you see, some, when, when you see the broken and the difficult and the painful parts of your history, you'll start to realize that it's something that adds value to my life. It just adds to my flavor. It adds to my seasoning. So you don't have to worry. It's not just the plain old one. You know, it adds to your seasoning. Let's read somebody who didn't feel probably as worthy, worthy and felt a bit useless. Let's go to John 4, 3 to 28. And I didn't put it down here, so I'm probably going to read it with you guys as well from here. So John 4, verse 3 to 28. It's a long one, but this is basically about um, the woman of Samaria. And it says this, he, Jesus, this is, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Next verse, please. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well... It was about the sixth hour. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew asked a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and this well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank it from himself, and as well as the sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will never thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Amen. Amen. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you truly speak. Some of you, it's real housewife right here. 
So the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our father worshipped on this mountain and the Jews and say that Jerusalem is the place where it ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, in this hour is coming where you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. Now, the reason why I kind of I picked that story was because while most Jews did everything they could to avoid the region of Samaria, Jesus walked right through it and stopped. And not only did he stop, he also approached a Samaritan woman who was known in the town as a sinner. A Samaritan was considered, you know, impure by the Jews. And, a woman co- and this woman was considered less than valuable living an impure life. A vessel that many would have tossed away as trash, but he valued as treasure. And there are some quick things that I wanted to just pick on from that um, verse. There was a point in the verse where it said the well was deep. Some, there's, to me, I interpret that as there's many deep things in our life. When you go below the surface, it's deep. Have you ever spoke to someone and said, well, dude, it's deep. When you know people's story, and I think that there was, that's what Jesus was trying to get out about. If you read between the lines, he was trying to, she was saying, oh, you sure you can get water from him because it's deep? Because she'd been looking. It's not been easy for her. She was also thirsty. I take that she was looking for attention. I mean, five husbands and one that she was living with, and you know what I'm saying? She was thirsty. You know? She was basically looking for attention in all the wrong places. And you don't have to, listen, we've all been there. Sometimes you don't have to be with people. Sometimes you can be looking for attention in the wrong things. You can look for attention in the bottle. You can look for attention in anything. But the point being, she was empty. She didn't have, she, she, obviously something's happened. You know, people, she probably was going from man to man because they told her that you can never turn a ooh into a housewife. And she was trying to prove, see, they're laughing. This is, I've got to keep it real. I'm just, I'm just being real. Five husbands and one you are living with now is not your husband. Come on. People saw her, didn't see her, they saw the problem. They labeled her on her problem. Because when you read further about it, when she says, she goes back and tells the people, come and tell a man that told me everything I've ever done in my life. And they come and they said, oh, listen, we'll believe you when we see it. Why wouldn't they believe it? Her, her, her uh, reputation wasn't credible. It wasn't credible. Just, this, this is the part I put it here. Sorry, if I look down and keep reading my notes, it says, just then his disciples came and they wondered, um, and were astonished and surprised to find him talking to a woman, a married woman. However, none of them asked him, what are you inquiring about? Or what do you want? Or why do you speak to her? This is when his disciples went to go buy food, came back. They didn't ask him. They just judged him straight away. They, how many people just judge? When you just see two people talking, you'd be like, you don't ask no question. You go away with your own assumptions. That's what they did when they come back. Ask no question. was like, why is Jesus talking to that woman? You know that she has five husbands and what did well, I say earlier? What is it your business? You don't know what mission he was on. So why does God use broken people? Because his love for her and his love for us runs deeper than any cultural difference, any social standing, and definitely above our sinful nature. I like to say that you know you can't outsin the grace of God. Not that we should take the grace of God for granted. Never do that. But his love for us runs deep, so deep. 
that is overwhelming. Who, are me, who, are, who is man that you are? Mindful of him. God is so mindful of us. So, so mindful of us. And his desire for that Samaritan woman was to lovingly mend her cracks. It feels like he was exposing you, but sometimes you have to get ouch in order to move forward. Have you ever been preaching and sometimes the preacher you feel like that? Was he there last night, brother? Sometimes you don't know. Sometimes that word is for you. But it's to expose and to build and to fill your cracks so you can pour life into others. Because despite how them people judged her, she went and told them what Jesus did for her. Because now she had the trigger of change for her, that woman at that well. So God God wants us to see, when God uses us, God wants us to see, he wants to demonstrate dominion over darkness. His grace over the grave. His redemptive power over the ruins. And throughout scripture, broken people are vessels God chose to use for his redemption plan. Now, many of us would have heard these things, and I'm sure over the years, where it talks about um, um, people that were cast away. And I want to kind of use that same analogy for the fact of broken people. It says Abraham was old. Elijah was suicidal. Joseph was abused. Job went bankrupt. Moses had a speech problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. The Samaritan woman divorced. Noah was a drunk. Jeremiah was young. Jacob was a cheater. David was a murderer. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Peter denied Christ three times. Martha worried about everything. Zacchaeus was small and money hungry. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Paul, a Pharisee, was who persecuted Christians before coming one. Some of us have heard that before, isn't that list? And the point being is that their story is still known to us. We know them because their story taught us something. There was a lesson in that. There was a lesson for every one of us. Because we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Whatever story you have is for God's purpose and for his glory. See, the cracks of brokenness in Kintsuji are mended with precious gold, but not concealed. Made whole, but not covered. Filled with gold, these vessels become more valuable than ever before. The cracks become stronger, shine brighter, and therefore the bowl can be filled for purpose for which God created. But God also mends our cracks, don't he? He mends the cracks in our lives, but he does it with something better than gold. He does it through the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. It's that blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary that mends our broken parts. It's that blood that makes us whole. And in order to get that blood, Jesus himself had to be broken. Bruised. Beaten. Poked, prodded, ridiculed. Spit on, trodden upon, devalued, tossed out, whatever those words are. He did that for you and I. He was broken so you may be blessed and beautiful. He did that. Jesus did that. I'm going to skip this scripture because of time, but Luke 22, 19, he, took, he said, Jesus said, it's an analogy, and it says, and he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is symbolic to do our communion, right? And it's a demonstration that we remember what Christ went through in his body for us. And when you take communion, that is your kintsuji. That is God mending every broken part. That's God giving you new grace 
to overcome. That's God giving you new grace to say you don't have to be your, you don't have to end up your story. You don't have to be labeled your problem. You don't have to be labeled your issue. So through the blood of Jesus, so I gave the ushers something. Can the ushers hand that out to everybody quickly? I gave you something earlier. If you can give, give that around while I continue. And there's a few of you in here. Now, I'm passing around a glow stick, and there's a reason why um, I'm going to pass that around. And we've all seen a glow stick before, haven't we? So don't, don't, don't break it yet. I'm going somewhere. But as it's going around, and we'll try and do that as quickly as possible, through the blood of Jesus, he takes our brokenness and he transforms it into the most valuable part of our story. Then, and only then, can we be filled with the purpose for which God made us and sent out to display his glory. So I put here, you know, I give my, I put some of my notes, called action, take the glow stick. <laughs> now, if you've got a glow stick because of time, I want you to break that glow stick. Sounds like it makes me want to click my fingers now. Some of us just felt really young again, like, well, I don't think we're <laughs> Now, what happens when you break the glow stick, typically? That's right. It glows. You got it, right? The world needs more, and then there's light. If, you, if this room was dark, we would all see our glow sticks waving, and we'd be <laughs> You can do if it does work. So as they're going to um, go off the fly and we're going to try and make it dark in here, we will have our Holy Ghost party. <laughs> and hopefully that they, 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 they work. Hopefully they work. See everyone's... Come on now. You see the glow? <laughs> That's right. I love it. 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 See, the world needs more light. We are in very dark times. And until you are broken, the light cannot be revealed. Until you are broken, the beauty and the value will never be actualized. When life breaks you, it's really building you. And it's really revealing you. Because until we broke that glow stick, the true essence of what it was created for didn't come to manifestation. The light did not come out. But when we broke it, what happened? It began to glow. It began to reveal itself. It began to it, bec it began, began became functional. The breaking reveals the light. God allows you to be broken in order to get the light out. Because if not you, if not, you will truly do not know, you will not truly know who you're called to be. Let me tell you, as you mentioned earlier, me, my wife and I have four children. Let me tell you. There can never be a birthing without a breaking. All the mothers will know that. And tell you, they, they were going through the pregnancy. Whether it's even by cesarean or by vaginal birth, there has to be a breaking of the water in order for there to be a birthing. And God wants to birth something in you today. He wants to birth your new life. But it's going to require you to be broken. It's going to require breaking. And often, 
T.D. Jakes got a word that he says. He says, your breaking point is often your breakthrough point. Oftentimes, when life gets tough and we're getting it on every side, we want to run away. But we don't recognize that our breaking point is often our breakthrough point. And biblical brokenness is repentance. It's a contrite heart. It's knowing that I have hurt the Lord. It's humility. It's surrendered will. Not your will, but mine will be done, Lord. Brokenness is total submission to the will of God and absolute determined zeal to carry out his will in your personal conduct, in your behaviors, in your actions, not allowing your feelings to lead you. I said it earlier. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to reign in every department of your life without frustrating that still small voice. Didn't we say that earlier? Directing your conduct and steps every day. See, your story matters. Your history is healing to others. Your history is healing to others. It might feel not feel like it, but uh, there's purpose to your pain. There's a point to your disappointment. Your painful history can be positive healing for others. Through pain, excitement, fear, stories are the universal way in which we relate to others. They engage our emotions. They connect with our past and our present. It teaches lessons. It inspires. Stories have the power to transform life. I mean, the Bible is full of the stories that have been trained to tra transforming life. Sometimes when we're talking about outreach and the community outreach, sometimes what evangelizes the people is your story. Some of us, we're trying to know the Bible from back to front. Just tell them your story. If God has truly touched you and changed you, just tell people your story. The man said, I once was blind, but now I see. That's all he had to say, what God done for him. Sometimes we be thinking we have to walk out with the tracks and go, no, 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 no. Sometimes just, just talk, have a conversation. Share your story. And let me tell you, God will do something wonderful through your testimony. Because we know we have to go through tests to get a testimony, right? We've heard it. We know we have, sometimes you have to go through a mess to get a message. Sometimes that's what it's about. So the story God is writing through your life was not meant to be kept under a lampshade. The story of your life was not meant to be hidden. The story of your life was not something you're meant to be ashamed of. And I know it's not easy. I'm not saying walk around here and tell everybody all your business now. But what I'm trying to say to you is get to a place where you're so healed and you're so whole and you're so confident in what God does for you that there is no shame. Because he's delivered us from shame. Remember that. He's delivered us from shame. I don't care if the shame was yesterday. If you plead the blood of Jesus, call upon his name, you've been delivered from that shame. Amen? God uses broken people to make a difference for eternity. Why do you think just Jesus often used parables to teach? Because of stories. So when we don't understand, ooh, sorry, when we don't understand why God uses broken people and how our story matters for eternity, we end up chasing other avenues of value, of value, like the Samaritan woman. God does not want you to hide what has been broken. He wants you to own it and use it for his glory. God wants to put broken pieces of your life back together. God wants to take our brokenness and bring forth beautiful results. God wants to let you know that despite how life has broken you, and that's what I needed the board for, and I see the time, so it's right on time. Let's bring this board. I'm going to write, and have you got the... And to be fair, this is... This is the... Um, this is... So imagine this. This was meant to be... Um, oh, we've got them. Perfect. This is where the origin of this message began, from this one quote that's always stuck with me. And then I have to, and some of you may have heard this. This is a crayon, and this is another analogy. When the crayon is broken, no matter what size it's broken in, no matter how many pieces, 
broken crayons still color. They don't become useless. They don't become void. They don't have to necessarily just stick to what they've been through and broken. I feel like they're not useful anymore. Broken crayons still color. When I was asked to come to Cornerstone today, the first thing the Lord said to me was broken crayons still color. And I want to speak to you about, speak to your people, to speak to people at the Cornerstone to say, listen, you're broken, but you're blessed. You're broken, but you're beautiful. And you are still useful to God. God has not discarded you and he will never discard you. There's nothing you can do, say, that will ever make God stop loving you. And I feel like once we understand that God loves us unconditionally, unconditionally, it will transform how we interact, how we act, how we behave. I'm telling you as a fact, because I know God's love for me, it means I, can, I, I, I choose to love. It's a choice, you guys. It's a choice. So I want you to always remember that you're broken, blessed, and beautiful. Thank you.